Some consider it reasonable to believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, at least not against reason. The information is piling up from the mathematicians, astronomers, and physicists that it may be indeed impossible to have life in the universe without a creator. Infinitesimally possible, they say. So small is the chance that there is no life anywhere else in the universe, they have concluded, according to an article in the Wall Street Journal, December 26th. It was the day after Christmas. I missed it. A friend of mine caught it and sent it to me. In fact, they say the chances of life existing on any planet in the universe are so small, there shouldn't be any life on this planet. But that, they say, is only the beginning. They have investigated the Big Bang and concluded that one millionth of a second after the Big Bang, four forces had to be in perfect balance in order for there to be a universe. Gravity, electromagnetism, positive and negative nuclear forces. If any of those four were even the tiniest fraction out of balance with the other three, the universe would not have happened. The man who created the term Big Bang, upon hearing the study, said that his atheism was shaken. It is at least reasonable to believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The second line of the creed, however, challenges people who may confess the first. Let's read these two lines together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord. That's enough right there. I'm going to go on to the other. But to confess, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. People are challenged by that. The Secular Humanist Society here asked me to come and speak to them. Gave me a wide open agenda, whatever you want to talk about. I talked about ethics according to Jesus. I thought it was a safe topic. Told them why my ethics were centered in Jesus. I got through the presentation thinking that it had gone pretty well. I said, what, do you have any questions? And the whole room exploded. Everybody talked at once. Every hand in the room went up. And I heard a man on the front row saying, I would never surrender the basis of my morality to another human being. We believe that Jesus was fully human. So in a sense, I had done exactly what the man said he would never do. 
In fact, believing in Jesus has been a perplexity to people ever since the first century. Saul, who would have confessed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, thought it was an absurdity to say the second, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And he went on the offensive and threw Christians in jail and persecuted them and tried to destroy faith in Christ because he could not say this second phrase. And he did not believe it. It was only when Jesus himself stood before him and was revealed to him on the road to Damascus that he could confess, I believe in Jesus. And so when the jailer in Philippi said, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. I want to read from Hebrews chapter 1. Last week I read from Hebrews 11. Hebrews 1.1, one of my favorite texts in the Bible. I hope you are familiar with it. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. In the past... God spoke in portions and in ways. In many portions, in many ways. I started the fire this morning in the fireplace. It was below 50 degrees. And I got me a big piece of bark, two feet long, about eight inches wide from a big old log I had, and I put it on the surface of that fire facing the living room. But I never saw it burn on this side. I didn't know if it was on fire or not. And after a while, I went over there to examine it more closely, and I found five little pinholes of light in the bark. Through those pinholes, I could see yellow and orange, just a little yellow and orange, the hint of something more, but only that through the pinholes. And I thought, you know, that's how the prophets were. In portions and in ways, God spoke in the Old Covenant. But now he has spoken in a different way, in a fuller way, in a great and marvelous way, in Jesus, who is the flame of God's radiance made full to any human who will look and see. I grew up believing in Jesus. I love to read the stories of his life and his teachings. They were compelling to me. I started my pilgrimage with God, believing in Jesus. I was like Peter said, through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead. And so your faith and hope are in God, but it started with Jesus. You saw God 
through Jesus. And that's how it happened to me. Jesus was the unseen guest at every meal. And I loved him as a boy, trusted him early in my life and wanted to serve him even as a child. I want to exalt Jesus. I want to lift him up to you. I want to commend him to you today. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Understand that that is a picture of the crucifixion. Jesus lifted up above the earth, drawing men and women to him through his death upon the cross. But oh, if you could see Jesus, if you could see past Christians who have disappointed you and maybe churches that have hurt you, to see the Lord Jesus himself, if he could be exalted and lifted up in your mind and in your heart, if you could see him, he is the most compelling and wonderful figure in all of human history. And just to see him and know him draws you to him. To say, I believe in Jesus, is to speak the first name of an individual who lived in first century Galilee. A man among men. And when his friends and family heard people beginning to talk about him as the one, as the promised one, they thought, oh no, that can't be so. Like so many people do when they hear the confession, I believe in Jesus. But if it is reasonable to assume that there is a creator God, maker of heaven and earth, then it is at least possible and perhaps probable to assume that the God who made the heavens and the earth is revealed in what he has made and perhaps revealed in history as well and may be seeking to make himself known to people who live upon the planet. And Jesus is the culmination of God's efforts through history to make himself known to people whom he loves. And so the scripture says that he is the promised one. All the Old Testament prophets, all the indications of what God was up to in the world had a notion of something more, like those little pinholes in the bark. I could see the yellow, I could see the orange. They were promises, indications of something more. There was something more there. And the titled Christ is the something more. Yes, he is Jesus. He is fully human. He is Jesus of Nazareth, and we will talk more about his life in coming messages. But he is also Christ. And in the word Christ, we have his title, the Anointed One. It comes right out of the Hebrew Old Testament. He is the one who was promised of whom it was said there will be a prophet like Moses who will come one day and you will listen to him. There'll be a king like David come one day and you will bow the knee to him. There's going to be a son of man, Daniel and Ezekiel said. And Isaiah said there's going to be a servant of God who will suffer for us. We call him the suffering servant. These promises, these indications of the future, these notions of what God was going to do one day, someday, they are fulfilled in the anointed one, in the promised one, whose title is Christ. And so when I say, I believe in Jesus, I am confessing 
I believe in the man Jesus. And when I say, I believe in Jesus Christ, I am confessing, I believe that Jesus, the man Jesus of Nazareth, is the promised one of whom the prophet spoke, to whom all history pointed, from Abraham forward, the one who is to come. I believe he is God's only son. Now, in the first phrase, it says that I believe that God is the Father, Almighty. And we talked about that last week, how he is the Father of Jesus, but he is also, in a sense, the Father of us all, and that Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, and that we know God as Father because of all that Jesus spoke and taught and lived. We are under his direction as we think of God as Father. But here we confess that God has an only Son, a unique Son, the only begotten Son. Say John 3.16 with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. It's about God's only begotten Son, His one and only Son. Now, what we just read is this. In the Old Covenant, there were these pinholes of light in various portions and ways. God spoke to our ancestors by these prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us in Son. He has sent His Son to reveal himself to us. This is the word of God made flesh. The quality of God's revelation has changed. It has reached its climax and its culmination in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. And in this climactic revelation, we see the fullest, most complete picture of the awesome Creator God. For Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He is the burning flame of God's glory. And he is the exact representation of his nature. The Son is of the same substance as the Father. Some of you have been dividing God from Jesus. And you see God, Jesus as friendly and loving and winsome. And you see God the Father as stern and judgmental and maybe even impersonal and aloof and distant. And you are doing a disservice to God. For in God's fullest revelation, in the exact representation of his nature, he has revealed himself in Jesus of Nazareth as he sat the children in his lap as he conversed with the woman at the well. This is God. As he lifted the woman up who was caught in adultery, as he called Zacchaeus down from the tree, this is God reaching out to the leper, touching the blind man, loving the hurting and the poor. This is God, in other words, the God of this universe, is winsome and wonderful, loving and full of compassion and tender mercy. He cares for the hurting and he loves sinners. He cares for you. He is the humble God who stoops down 
from all the created order to say hello to us and invite us into his presence. He is the meek and wonderful God who reaches down and touches us and loves to forgive our sin. This is the essential nature of the creator God revealed to us in his exact representation. Jesus of Nazareth, his only son. Some people get confused and they think, well, there must be two gods, the Father and the Son, or maybe three, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. But we understand that God has shown himself to us in three ways. These three ways we will confess in the Apostles' Creed. We do it here as well as later on. Though the word Trinity is not used in the Creed, the Creed is delivering to us and expressing for us what is certainly in the book of books, the Bible. Here we have the clear teaching that God is at work in Jesus, that God's Son, Jesus, created the heavens and the earth. Without him was not anything made that was made. So God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit are all the creative agent speaking the world into existence. And though the word Trinity is not used, the early church fathers and all subsequent believers in Jesus have understood that God in his majesty and yes in his complexity the nature of his being is beyond my comprehension this wonderful God has revealed himself to us as Father Son and Holy Spirit one God in three persons it was inevitable that the early disciples would worship Jesus, he saved them. He saved them. He laid down his life for them. It's inevitable that we will do the same. That would be idolatry if he were not God. So I believe that Jesus is fully man, but not merely man. I believe that Jesus is fully man and fully God. These two natures existing in him without division and without confusion, as the early church fathers said. You don't have to be able to unpack all that. Nobody on planet Earth can. But we confess it as we say, I believe in Jesus Christ God's only Son, our Lord. Now, when I get to our Lord, I'm messing with people's business. All right? There's something a little esoteric about Jesus Christ, God's only Son. But when you get to Curios, in the Roman Empire at least, they understand Caesar is Curios. But the Christian said, no. Jesus is Kurios. He is Lord, and he is King of kings and Lord of lords. In fact, we believe that Jesus is the culmination of consummation of all that God intended to do in human history, that he is the highest, clearest revelation of himself and his final statement to a human race in need of a Savior. It is Jesus, 
to whom he calls us. And God is drawing us to his son to confess Jesus as Lord. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved from your sin, saved from your shortcomings, saved from the dilemmas of mind and heart, saved from disaster and trouble, saved from hell, saved from destruction. If you confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what the Apostle Paul said. The confession, Jesus is Lord, is the unique confession of his followers. And it is the confession we must make beyond I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker in heaven and earth. In order to receive salvation, we must also believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son and Lord. To say, I believe that Jesus is Lord is to speak with my mouth the truth that one day every human tongue will utter. To kneel before him in worship is to assume the position that one day every human being God ever made will assume. I participate in a future event when I kneel before Jesus and acknowledge him as Lord. For the scripture says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I am part of the future community, the community God is drawing toward himself and making as his own when I say Jesus is Lord. It's a wonderful thing to know that Jesus is your Lord. It stabilizes your life. My life burned down one day. Intellectually, spiritually, and emotionally, I was wrecked. I cratered. It was 2 o'clock in the morning at a dorm room in Coconut Hall in Baylor University where I just collapsed in a puddle of tears. I'd never heard these things before. In historical geology and Old Testament survey, the academic look at the Bible, I'd believed in the Bible all my life. I'd been reading the Bible. I was a child of God. I believed in Jesus, and I got into this academic situation and, and context, and I tell you, my faith was challenged, and on that night, I didn't know what was true or false, up or down, right or wrong. And in the crisis of my intellect and my spirit, there came rumbling out of me a truth that I had known for years that I had to recapture as a young adult. God told me st to stand in Jesus that night. That Jesus was my sufficiency and Christ was my Lord. And this was the foundation I needed to stabilize my life. And I came out of that crisis of faith and intellect 
with my feet planted on the foundation, the one foundation which has been laid and no other foundation can be laid and that foundation, the scripture says, is Jesus Christ himself. And for all of you who are battling intellectual battles and philosophical discussions and you're having trouble with your, with your faith and you're not sure which way you're going to go, I recommend to you and lift up to you Jesus who is called the Christ, Son of Man and Son of God. If you stand here, if you plant your feet here, young man, young lady, if you find your foundation in Christ himself, then that ground won't move unto you no matter what comes your way. After 11 more years of higher education, I found in Christ the intellectual stability of my life, the spiritual foundation of my heart, and all that I needed, I have found in Christ. I want to lift him up to you. Maybe you are struggling to believe a system of theology or a list of regulations. Maybe you are trying to embrace some religious system and you suppose that in this system you will find salvation and you'll find God if you can just get the right system and, and the right propositions. And I'm saying to you, that's not how God's done it. There is a creator God. He has revealed himself to all humans. It was the Abrahamic covenant which said, through you and your descendants, I'm going to bless all nations of the earth. God was working in Abraham what he intended for every living human being on the face of the earth to know and see. This is God, the creator God, making himself known unto you. And so I say to you, seek not the way. The way itself has come to you. God has visited in his son, Jesus. This is how you rise and walk. You put your faith in him who gave his life for you. And you will find there the solid rock that never moves. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. Bow with me, please. Someone in the room has been thinking about trusting in Jesus, and you now feel drawn to make that confession. I urge you to do so. It will be life to you to find in Christ your all in all. Someone has delayed this decision, maybe for years, and it is time now to take your stand upon the rock that will not move and trust in the Christ who loves you and gave himself for you. Someone in the room has wandered away from that confession that you made as a child. And God is calling you back to a mature faith in Him, anchored in Christ, the solid rock. God, I pray today, Father in heaven, that you will call men and women and young people to yourself, that they will hear your voice 
and know your work in their heart and confess their faith in Christ. Lord, we need you today. Some of us are in crisis. Many of us are hurting. Many have unanswered questions and confusion in their minds. God, I pray today that through your son Jesus, you will minister to we who confess him as Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.